to worship you. I live to worship you. I live, I live to worship you. Doesn't that say it all? To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live, I live to worship you. You know, sometimes I don't need anything more than that. I don't need words in front of it. I don't need words behind it. I don't need a keyboard beside it because anywhere I can, I am, I just feel like I can belt that out and God is hearing it and I'm enjoying it. To worship you, I live to worship you. I live, I live to worship you. Maybe we should stand and just belt that out a couple of more times. To worship you, I live to worship you. I live, I live to worship you. To worship you, I live to worship you. I live, I live to worship you. It's you, Lord Jesus. It's you that I that I exalt on high. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It's in you that we live and move and have our being. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. You may be seated. Truly is wonderful to be here when we are here from time to time. And I would tell you I, I, I have no agenda. I have, uh, uh, you know, nothing on my mind that I, you know, hey, I just got to feel like I got to say this here. Uh, I'm wanting to just fellowship the Lord today in his word. Could we just do that together? I've been fellowshipping the Lord for the last, mm, I'm going to say a couple of weeks in a particular region in his word. Because the Lord has continued to bring scriptures to me. Matter of fact, I said the other day, I didn't even know I knew so much scripture. Because he would bring another one. I think, oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. And I would go grab that one and I would copy and paste it. And So in reviewing through these various things, I have been in fellowship with the Lord myself. Now, so I would like to continue to do this today but I want to I want to I want to do I want to make some remarks because recently I have uh, I feel like I'm experiencing kind of a a shift of focus to some degree as we have pursued the idea of preparing for more Bible studies and I have commented from time to time that there was a Bible study that I used quite often for many years and uh, I don't know what it was originally called, but we were calling it Rightly Dividing the Word. And uh, they referred to it as the two-day Bible study at one time. But anyway, I've used it, and, and now I find myself reshaping it and 
moving things and adding things. And, and there was a, I don't mean to stretch this out all this long, but somebody made a statement to me one day about our pursuit in Bible study. And what he said was this. He said, in our pursuit to get people to baptism in Jesus' name, he said, I'm wondering that we're baptizing a lot of Trinitarians and they're staying Trinitarian. Say that again. And as he and I dialogued about this over many hours, this is when God began to, to, I feel like, reveal more to me about this thought and this idea. Because what he said was this. When Acts 2.38 was recorded, when it had taken place, it had taken place among of, I'm going to use a term that's non-biblical, oneness, individuals. They were modalists. They were people that believed in one God. Okay? And so, then we reviewed through the rest of the book of Acts. And he said, today that's not the truth. That's not a reality. I thought, you're right. Now, let me go back. My, my vacation Bible school teacher, when I was 10 years old, Meant well. I remember the kids had all left. They were done with their project. We were, we were rolling up colored newspaper ads and gluing them to a five-gallon bucket side by side by side. Did you ever done that? Oh, you should try it. And made a beautiful garbage can. And so this was our project. And while I was behind and everybody had left, my vacation Bible school teacher was there. And so I asked her a question. I said, uh, I don't understand uh, about the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And so she said to me, she said, well, you have a dad. I said, yeah. And you are the son of that dad. And I said, yeah. And she said, uh, well, the Holy Ghost is kind of like an uncle. And I didn't know what to think about that because I had no Bible working knowledge. But I heard these terms used at this particular place where I was going and wasn't sure about it. And so I carried that from 10 years old until I was 22 years old. So 12 years later, I'm sitting in a church on a Wednesday night having come back to the Lord, as far as I knew. And it's like it came out of nowhere. A revelation. The understanding of the mighty God in Christ on the cross. You see, because I, you know, the exclamation from me, it gave me this picture of a father hollering out the back door of heaven and saying, hey, boy, come here. You got to go in my place and save all humanity because I'm God after all. And I got to I'm the judge. I got to sit up here on the throne. You got to go. And this is the picture that I had. And, and I'd never spoken it, but all my life long, I thought, now there's the biggest ripoff you ever heard of. 
that a father would say, boy, you got to go and save all the people because I'm more important. I'm the father. But that explanation to me, that's what imprinted into my mind until I was 22 sitting on that pew on a Wednesday night service. And all at once I realized it didn't happen that way. He divested himself of his glory. He robed himself in human flesh. Came in the form of a servant. It was he that went up on that cross for me. was so important to me. Now, I, I've visited with a lot of people throughout time, and, and there's many people that don't have that understanding. So then when I went back into the Scripture, things begin to make more sense to me about what really happened. You know, God being a spirit, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Spirit doesn't have flesh. But the angel said to Mary, the holy thing, which shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. So that flesh, that babe who would grow up and become a man. You're growing up, right? (laughs) He would be the Son of God. But that spirit of God, Mary having been overshadowed by the uncle. See how that plays out for you. He being overshadowed by the Holy Ghost, she being overshadowed, excuse me, by the Holy Ghost, brought forth that holy thing that shall be called the Son of God. This is why the Son of God could say, it's not me that doeth the work, it's the Father in me that doeth the work. And when the revelation comes and the understanding comes, the meaning of Calvary takes on great more significance to you. Now, there are times when we can become intimidated. When you have reached out with the gospel and you're leading somebody and they're, they're all on board. And, then, and uh, man, they, there's such a difference when you pray. There's, there's something about you that's so <coughs> different. I've been around church people. You're different than your church people I've been around. And then they come back one time and say, you don't believe in the Trinity? Well, uh, 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 and we become intimidated and start backing up because there is a religious society. There is a religious world. There are what is referred to as many, many, many churches around the world that subscribed to the concept of three co-equal co-eternal persons in the God head. I did some searches this morning on the Trinity. 
and the man Tertullian who coined the phrase Trinitatis Unitas. Some 150 years after Christ. And then there were those that took that and reshaped that and bend it a little bit. And when you try to read the description, it goes, they were all God, but they were not God. Okay? And I've, I can't even remember all the references, but there's a bunch of them. And I'm thinking, you're more confused than when you started. So you go to the Word. Let me, let, me, let me say this. All of these pieces coming together for me. I get a call from Elder Flowers, and he says, there was a lady that walked in today, the service, and she says, I'm looking for a church. She looked over, and she saw the banner, like the one you got in the foyer, and says, Bible study. You teach from the Bible. Yeah. Well, I'm Catholic, and I want to I be taught from the Bible. Her words, her words. Now, get this. She says, now, I went to the other church in Union Gap, and all they did was have music. And I thought, hmm, looky there. Bible study trumps music program. And so she was hungry, and now she is in a Bible study with others, and they are saying, we are so thrilled to be learning from the Bible. See, it's in the book, and this is not a book. This is an electronic gadget. That's a book. But you understand what I'm saying. And we refer to it as the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's God revealing himself to humanity through his written and expressed word. Today we experience conflict at times when we communicate with people and we use the words that the Apostle Paul used and say, Until what were you baptized? Well, I don't know. I was just baptized in water. What do you mean, what was I baptized? What were the, what were the words that were expressed over you as you were going down in the waters? Down in the waters? No, they just, wait, 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 wait. That wasn't baptized. What do you mean it wasn't? They call it a baptism. No, no, no. To be baptized means to be immersed. And so we begin to explain these things. And what we find is we ourselves at times in a battle of words. And a battle of two concepts. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Or the name of Jesus. Then we come up and then we hear these I'm sorry, I'm going to use a word. It's not a nice word. Hideous. The hideous comment, I would rather do what Jesus said than what the apostles said. Not, not understanding that what the apostles did was fulfill, fulfill excuse me, the command that the Lord gave. So, all of those baptisms that you read about throughout the book of Acts are simply a fulfillment by the apostles of, this is, 
This is common stuff. I know this. Of what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19. But we find ourselves in a war of words at times, you know, and, and I've heard people say, okay, we'll baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, which is Jesus. And all kinds of myriads and associations with it as though somehow the magic is in the word, the name. Now listen, I don't want to detract from the name. Neither is there salvation in any other name. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So without the name, there's no saving. Let that sink in for just a minute. But here's my next question. But is it really about the name? Or is it the revelation of the mighty God in Christ reconciling the world unto himself? See, again, in the beginning, they were, they were all Hebrews. They were Jews, and they, they all believed in one God. They just could not accept that God had incarnated into the Holy Ghost. The man, excuse me, the man, Christ Jesus. I don't know if we're going to get to all these words. We're probably not, but let me read a few of them, okay? Isaiah 43 at verse 10. For the sake of time, I'm going to go to them and I'm going to read them. By the time they get up on the screen, which I know they'll be fast. He's always fast. Hear my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. There won't be a co-equal God. I am God alone. I'm going to keep reading. I, even I, am the Lord. Do you, you see the attempt of God revealing himself to mankind? I am the Lord, and beside me, No Savior. I have declared and have saved. I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore, you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Now, listen to me. This is the book of Isaiah. And so in the Old Testament, the spirit of God, which you cannot See, he fills all space and time. That God spoke through a vessel. The inspiration, holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the uncle. Mm -hmm. By the Holy Ghost. And so the the Spirit of God is speaking to humanity through a vessel 
and saying that I am God. So there's no physical reference there. There's no holy thing, which shall be called the Son of God there. But God is seeking to reveal himself to mankind as one. One. Only one. No Savior. No other gods. Deuteronomy 6 and 4. You learned this one in Sunday school. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Matthew 16 at verse 13. Now, this is the mind of Christ. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, you, you know, you can see him just kind of looking at them. They're cutting up. They're just being boys. And I suppose he's been thinking about it a while. And it finally comes out of his mouth, out of the man. Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Trick question. They said, well, some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some Elias. Others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. We don't know. We're hearing all kinds of things. Because there's all kinds of things that go around when people start talking. Their perspective, their ideas, their opinions. And so the Lord's asking, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they give their answer. He said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ. What was the Christ? What was the Christ to them? It would be the one who was prophesied to come. In Isaiah 9 and 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his Shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father of this Son that would be given, this holy thing, the angel said, that would be born of Mary. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Now, in our human process of thought, and this kind of an English term being given to us, we see father, we see mother, we see son, we see daughter, we see cousins. And when we, ref when we reference even scriptures of the Old Testament that the finger of God, or that those were those who were safe under the Chicken God? The wings of a... And we have all these natural references throughout the Old Testament. We put appendages on God, which is a spirit. Thou art 
the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said unto him, you didn't get this in vacation Bible school. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now, I want us to pray right now. Father, it is you that brings spiritual revelation. It is you by the act of your spirit to the open, the understanding of mankind, whether it be we sitting in this room or those that we would sit across the table with and open the word of God to them. It is by the revelation of your spirit, God, that you would open their understanding and they would see clearly and you would be revealed to them. And I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give to thee the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he. I can't understand everything about why or when he says what he says, but he says them. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that Jesus, or tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. And so the Lord has apparently, uh, through at least that season of time, attempted to control the times and the places and the, the who. There were times when he would teach him parables to the people, yet when he got his disciples aside, he would open it up and be clear to them, and, and, and a lot of the people just weren't sure what he was saying. But he controlled that by the words that he used and the times that he would reveal himself to mankind, to people. Isn't it interesting? Was it? Was it Andrew under the fig tree? Nathaniel was under the fig tree. And it's his brother that says, hey, I think we have found him, you know, and, uh, you know, let me take you to him. And so he brings him to Jesus and, and he says, yeah, I saw you when you were under the fig tree. And I'm thinking, well, in person, you see, he wasn't there. But yet he could say those words because by spirit he was there. The spirit of the father in the son and the son speaking. Okay. I don't know what that has to do with anything. Straight is the gate. Narrow is the way. Few there be that find it. Broad is the path to destruction. Many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leadeth unto 
life. That's salvation. Okay? Face the fact. You're a part of the few. You're a part of the few. God has chosen you out. He has reached out and you said yes. Oh, he reached for many. And many say no. Many say, I would rather follow my tradition. I'm more comfortable in my tradition. I gave a Bible study to a woman one time. She had carried that Bible 40 years. We opened it on the kitchen table, began to read out of it, and she said, I can't believe what he said there. I said, what do you mean? My priest, he, he doesn't say that. He's saying something else. Well, well it's your Bible. I know. Turned the Bible down. She left the Bible study, never came back. She was more comfortable in walking in and living in her own ignorance and what somebody else had told her that was diametrically in opposition to what the Word of God said. She read it herself. Now, listen to me. The world is filled with people that refer to themselves as Trinitarians. If you tell them you don't believe in the Trinity, they're going to put an X on you. Maybe they already have. I'm talking about the world. I'm talking about a religious world. They are the majority by a long shot. But you see, this has nothing to do with numbers. It has everything to do with the truth of the Word of God and God revealing himself to individuals through his word by opening their understanding through a spiritual act. I can read these, you know, I read the context of these scriptures in, in this setting, and it's a yay and an amen. Yeah, 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 I believe that. I'm walking in that. I know that. I trust that. I understand yeah. But I can take this and go elsewhere and sit down with people and they look at Now, I've experienced that. I'm sure many of you have as well. And you pray for revelation. You pray that God would open their understanding. And for whatever reason, whatever is left on their part of the equation, whether they respond to God, open up to the drawing of his spirit or not, or they'll remain in darkness. See, Somebody made a statement a long time ago, and it's been repeated many times. Well, at least they're going to a church. No. At least not. It is the truth that will make us free. Now, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 at verse 18. So we get that understanding that, you know, the Lord is asking his disciples, his apostles, first of all, saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And, and then he says, who do you think I am? And, and then when Peter responds and says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, he says, Simon Barjona, you are blessed because you responded to the inspiration that came to you. 
and the inspiration was from my father, the spirit. I know we, we reach, we point. It wasn't all there. It was right there. It was the spirit in him. It was the father in him working, expressing. Now, I've learned that there are people who I've met who have a ministry of revelatory teaching. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that. It means when they open up the book. Now, I'm not saying they alone have it, but I've seen, I've seen it many times where when they open the book and begin to speak out from the book, the room fills with understanding. I've sat there amazed myself. I've read that scripture before. Wow, that opened up. He hasn't started speaking. He hasn't started preaching. He opened the book, read the text. But because he has a ministry of revelatory teaching, that outward expression that came and filled the environment where we were all sitting, it just comes into your spirit. It just affects you, and it affects your... Not me being more schooled. It's not being smarter. It's none of these things. It is an act of his spirit. And this is what the importance of spirit ministry. Let me tell you the value that you have sitting here. A spiritual ministry will produce a spiritual work. That which is born of the flesh is Flesh, it will remain flesh. It will continue to be flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit and will continue and will grow. A spiritual ministry will will produce a spiritual work. This is why I look around this room, a lot of you families, I've, I remember when your little bambinos were little bambinos. And now they're all grown up. And the room was filled with them. And what I see is seasoned, developed, maturing families in the kingdom of God. You know, you, you can't put it on. You can't wear it. It is a discernible attribute that follows your life. Because you have been a part of, you have responded to, you have engaged with a spiritual ministry of the word. Receive it. It's who you are. It's who you are. Second Corinthians 5 and 18. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself. God reconciled us to him by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. This is the advancing of the kingdom in the earth. He has given to us the ministry, which is a spiritual work of reconciling people unto God. This is why you can go and open the word of God, and people begin to say, I see it, I see it, I see it. Wow, yes, yes. It is the advancing of his kingdom because he's given us a ministry of reconciliation. He didn't even stop there. He says, I have given to you a word of reconciliation. Now listen to me. The soul of a man is the only eternal part of the man. Everything else returns to the dust. 
It is the spiritual activity through word, through song, through presence. The eternal part of every individual that comes into your presence, hears your words, listens to your song, listens to your speaking, and it triggers something in them that they don't even know it's there. They thought they came from, I won't even say it. Evolved over time. But God created them, breathed into them the breath of life. They became a living soul. And that soul cribbed, caged in here. When you want to go to the honky-tonk, it has to go to the honky-tonk. Do they even call it honky-tonk anymore? What do they call it now? Clubs! Holy Ghost just brought me current. But you see, the value of going there gives nothing to the soul because the soul. David said, we are the offspring of God. That's like a child to a parent. We are offspring. The soul of a man is offspring to God. And you take a child away from mom and dad for any length of time, and it starts crying. It starts wanting. It's desiring. It wants to get back into the presence of mom and dad. That's offspring. The Bible says we're offspring. That soul in there. I don't care where you take it. I don't care where you go. It's And some people are so blinded they don't see it. They're so deaf they don't hear it. Until they get into the presence of a believer. I've been feeling things I've never felt before. I don't know. When I got around, did you did you hear what that person said? What'd they say? I, I don't know. That didn't mean anything, but, but there was something. When they spoke, when they said something, something started happening in them. I don't know. And I felt creeping thoughts I've never felt. And I felt feeling things I've never felt. And I felt, can we turn the music to a Christian channel? Can we... And they start a pursuit and a seeking that they don't even know it's the Spirit of God drawing them. The hour that we're living in, we are the team on the field. We are the team on the field. We are temples of the Holy Ghost. All things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given unto us the word, the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. What was Emmanuel? Oh, it was he with them. With them. With them. We went there. They were there. God with them. But then he began to speak before he left. Go tarry in Jerusalem. You shall be endued with power of the Holy Ghost. Or with power. When you receive the Holy Ghost. So Okay, so let's go back to vacation Bible school. I feel conviction one Sunday. I go to the altar. I'm still 10 years old. And uh, my sweet. Vacation Bible school teacher comes to my side. 
Mom and the kids, they're out in the car. They're wondering, where's Larry? It's time to go home. And she said, and I'm crying, and I don't know what to do. And she says, okay, Larry, we'll ask the Lord to forgive you. I did that, whatever she said. And then she says, now ask, ask Jesus to come into your heart. I did what she said. Now, what I got was relief. But later, I began to wonder. So does that mean the holy thing that was born of Mary is in there? Let me tell you, when you receive Christ into your heart, it's the day you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And that indwelling spirit in you and as you commune and fellowship with God and keep the stirred the gift stirred up, this is when you come into the company of people and they say, so what is it about you? You're, you're different. I'm not talking about your hair or how you carry yourself. There's something different about you. Any witnesses in the room? Come on, any witnesses in the room? A co-worker, a family member, an aunt, an uncle? What's changed in you? Man, you've really grown up. Paul said it this way, it's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ that lives within me. But because Christ and the Uncle Holy Ghost is the same. I hope I'm not confusing you with all my facetiousness. God in you, the hope of glory. God in you, the hope of glory. But now we're living in a world filled with Trinitarians. Now, most Trinitarians, I'm going to say it this way, they really don't even know what that means. They've accepted it because it's been told them. And the minute you begin to lead them, somebody shows up in their life that hasn't been around and say, oh, no, 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 no. They don't believe in the Trinity. Non-biblical term. Something that a guy came up with about the turn of uh, 180 years after Christ in a place called Carthage, which was in Africa. You hold what Peter held. And I give unto you the keys. The keys to the kingdom of heaven. We have keys. We have the way. It's been shown unto us. He's revealed himself to us. And I haven't even got to Acts chapter 2. He's sleeping. Woke him up, he went right back to sleep. There we go. Okay, we got to read this. Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. This is 
God speaking to Moses out of a burning bush. He's gave him a charge. He's given him, given him a responsibility to go and to speak before Pharaoh and to a people. And he is struggling with the idea. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to him? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. What kind of a look would you have on your face about that time? Hmm? Say that again. Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am. I, I didn't keep it in my notes here. I cut it off. But he said, tell them. I am hath sent thee. I am hath sent thee. And then we go to the book of John chapter 8. I have a lengthy piece here. I don't know whether I'll read it all, but please listen to the reading of this chapter. John chapter 8. When you get home, read it again. Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, You neither know me nor my father. If you had known me, you should have known my father also. The words, these words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple. No man laid hands on him for his hour was not yet Come. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and you shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. So, for you Bible scholars, what does that mean? I mean, you could say, So what? I've known people who said, so what? That's my problem, not yours. No, you shall die in your sins means your name will not be written in the Lamb's book of life, which means there is an eternal lake of fire according to the word of God. The end is not good. And he has just stated to these, wait, 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 where was he, where was he? Oh, he was in the church, I mean the temple. He was speaking to the religious and telling of them and in revealing of them, he says, you, you shall seek for me, but you shall die in your sins. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Because he saith, whither I go, you cannot come. And he said unto them, you are from beneath, I am from above, you are of this world. I am not of this world. 
I said, therefore, to you that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Wait a minute. I thought that's saying the right words and what is it does it mean that the name given has the power to well sure it does but is that the point it's believing that he was the I am and this was the struggle this was the battle during that time they couldn't fathom that he coming into town on a donkey could be their redeemer, their, <coughs> their savior. Because they were expecting to, hit, to come on a white horse and to lead them to victory and to win back everything that they had felt that they had lost. Their focus was on this world. Verse 24, then said they unto him, who art thou? And Jesus said unto them, even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that has sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. Again, because of the vernacular of words and terminologies in our understanding we put people talking to each other when it's the indwelling spirit of God that is speaking to and through the holy thing that was born of Mary the son you with me God John 17 17 I think God is a spirit he's a spirit they that worship him can only worship him in spirit and in truth, it would lead us to believe that there are worshipers that are not worshiping God. They may be worshiping. Let's see. He said to the woman at the well, we worship we know not what. See, he didn't question the fact that she was a worshiper. He said, but you don't know what you're worshiping. The one that she thought she was worshiping was standing Right in front of her. If you knew who it was that said, give me drink, you would ask of him drink. And you would have living water. Let's pray. In the name of Jesus. Jesus. 
At verse 28, then said Jesus unto them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that he that sent me, where is he? Oh, thank you, Lord. And the Father hath not left me alone. For I do always those things that please him. He spake these words, many believed on him. And said Jesus, and then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Then answered him, We be Ab they answered him, sorry. We be Abraham's seed. Get this. Here we are, humanity, a bunch of guys. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. What do you mean? What verse was I at? You shall be made free. How sayest thou you shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. The servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. You know, you think you've had some tough conversations. They're asking him questions. He's trying to explain to them. He's trying to reveal himself to them. And then he has to tell them, but you're trying to kill me. My word has no place in you. You're talking, you're talking a bunch of religious terminologies. No names. Young man goes, he's giving a Bible study. And people are hungry, they're so hungry. And they are saying, we just want to read out of the Bible. Oh, they've been in church for years. We just want to read out of the Bible. And uh, Bible study's over. He and I get together. And I said, tell me, oh, how, where? He said he was so interested because they had all these terminologies that they had learned over the years, but none of them were based in the scripture. Listen to me. The world is filled with souls that have been deceived. You have the key. You have many keys. And your sharing can unlock, unlock souls that have been imprisoned all their life long. Do you believe that? Let's pray and tell the Lord we believe it. In your words, tell them what you want to say.
Tell them you agree. Tell them you believe this. Now ask him to lead you. Ask him to order your steps. Put you in front of those individuals imprisoned that you, you desire to unlock for them. When you have time, would you read this chapter for yourself? I'm not going to take the time to read all of this. I'm going to take you to uh, verse 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet 50 years old. How hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I'm telling you right now, before Abraham was, I of your spirit opening the minds and the eyes and the understanding of those that are blind in the name of Jesus we speak it now we speak it now in the name of Jesus let the kingdom of God be advanced in this region according to that which you have purpose Lord in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 2. And I'll, this is where I'm going to finish my portion. Acts chapter 2 at verse 36. To Jews. Jews who from the time they were young. I'll talk to the boys. Young boys. They were taught to learn the, the Shema. The Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. If the Jew knew anything at all, no matter how faithful they were to the temple, because of their upbringing, what took place in their home, 
what took place in their temple, they knew there's only one. The Lord, our God, one. And so it has been noised. Well, there were those that had gathered. What in the world is going on here? We're hearing people speak in our tongues. And they listed them off one after the other. People were speaking in other tongues. This, there was 120 of them at least had been speaking in other tongues. I don't know how many people were there overall. That's another lesson for another day. And he, and they say, what meaneth this? And so Peter, standing up in the midst of the 11, you know, the guy that the Lord had cautioned one day and said, see, Satan desires to have you, to sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you. I'm not delivering you from the sifting. You're going to go through the sifting. I have prayed that your faith does not fail. Now, when you're converted, strengthen your brethren. And so after the Holy Ghost was poured out there on that day of Pentecost, and it was noised abroad, and many have gathered and said, What is going on? What means this? Peter said, He feels the stirring of the Holy Ghost. And in his communication, He summarizes, or he, he sums it all up by making one statement. Acts chapter 2, verse 13. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus. Whom you crucified. Listen to me. We refer to ourselves as Christians and we want to always save face and put our best foot forward and be so gentle and kind and loving. And we're familiar with all those words and all those attributes. And we have an apostle sticking his finger in their face with a statement of reality, you crucified him. Now one might think, wait, wait. <coughs> There's something going on here. People are being drawn. And, and so let's see, let's, you know, somebody back in the church will tell me. And maybe, maybe we should put the blinds down. No, maybe we should put them up. Uh, no, maybe we should put them back. Uh, has anybody cleaned the foyer? Has anybody? And, and we begin to look and see to make everything so sister friendly. I know you don't do that here on this side. And it is the reality of speaking truth into the face of individuals, knowing good and well it is the Holy Ghost that's drawing them. And he says, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God, Yahweh, you know, that spirit, has made that same 
holy thing that was born of Mary, that man, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, Lord, hero Israel. I said it when I was 12 years old at my bar mitzvah. I've been saying it every week. I've been reciting it and memorizing it, the Holy Scriptures. And I know there's only one. The Lord, my God, is one Lord. And under the unction of the Holy Ghost on this very special occasion, in a moment, I believe, revelation comes. Now when they heard this, they've been hearing a lot of things. They've been celebrating all week long. But when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. God bring conviction, bring conviction back into our gatherings in a way, in a way, in a way. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said to, the, to Peter and to the rest of the, let me read it exactly right. Said, men and brethren, what do we do? And that's when Peter delivered unto them and said, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of of sins, fulfilling the command of Matthew 28, 19 for the first time. And the words of Jesus that he said at the end of Luke, the 27th chapter, about going to Jerusalem and waiting and waiting for the promise of the Father, repentance and remission of sins will be preached in my Beginning at Jerusalem. And it had just happened. Now listen to me. I see a significance here. That he had just delivered and revealed to them. The mighty God in Christ. Reconciling the world unto himself. But you rejected him and you delivered him and you crucified him. And when they heard that, the understanding there that was given, and they responded the way that they did. I don't believe that there would be a day that he would have to go back and, you know, go explain it again over and over. Well, now, now let me let's talk about this, you know. Yes, Mary had a child. She was overshadowed by the Holy Ghost. And my point being, some I feel like now, maybe I've raced past that too fast because I know that I've brought people to a place where they've obeyed the Scripture, they were baptized in Jesus' name, but they still were indoctrinated in their mind. And then I had to go back now and say, wait, 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 wait. We've got to start over here and take them through the scriptures that we just went through today. I, I'm, now, I'm just, I'm just fellowshipping the Lord. I'm 
greatest fellowship in the world. I'm not going to talk to myself. I have persuaded myself. I am convinced myself. Dear people, he is great and greatly to be praised. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. You didn't get a little God on the day of Pentecost. You didn't get a little God when you prayed through. The Holy Ghost, God in us. In us. You know, when you really embrace the concept, sometimes you change some of your terminologies. You know, let's ask the Lord to come into our presence. You know, he walked in with us when we walked in because he's in us. But sometimes our, our communications and our things are a little bit more, wait, it's, it's kind of back here, it's kind of temple. And it's about us being humility in a temple. And we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We're the temple of the Holy Ghost. What is it that could happen when God leads you into a situation? You know, you've testified of these things. You prayed for people. You spoke to people. People were healed. People delivered. Thank you for the Holy Ghost, Lord. Thank you for baptizing me with the Holy Ghost. Why don't you stand? When you teach the scripture for many years in one area, we make assumptions. I've made assumptions. I, my kids, they've been in the church since they, or they, they attend the church services since they were born. And so they've heard everything 10 times, 100 times, I don't know, over and over. A lot of you feel that way? And so we as parents assume, you know, they've been from the, you know. And what happens is, is because of the attendance of many for a long time, and because you've said it, you know, you've preached it, you've taught it, you've taught it, you've taught it, we make the assumption it is embraced. I've come to learn it's not true. Every once in a while, I find myself in a conversation with somebody and just the dialogue and just the way the sentences ran and where it led and where it was, what was spoken. Oh, I should give them. Oh, maybe we should spend some time in the scripture together, you know. Well, you know, I'm here. I'm, we're here every week. And I mean, is it really that important that I really have a full understanding? Well, let me see. What kind of words did Jesus use? The inference was, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And then, who do you say that I am? Who do you know? He is. Who is in you? 
we are in him. It's in him that we live and move and have our being because in spirit, he created the universe, the space between us, all those things, go ahead, I'm in him. But that spirit has made its dwelling in me. How do you know? Because as the evidence was in the scripture, so it was in my life and is to this day. And so I continue to walk in it and I pray in the spirit and I speak in tongues. And it's a continual experience for me. You know, there was a season in my life I didn't speak in tongues for a long time. I said, I got it. I got it. I, you know, there was only a few syllables, but I got it. I said it. I did it. And then I heard people saying, you should, you should pray in the spirit every day. You should speak in tongues every day. Now, it's not for the sake of speaking in tongues. It's for the sake of praying in the spirit, fellowshipping the presence of the Lord. Hmm. What do you think? Can we open this altar? I used the word earlier, conviction. There's been times in my life where the conviction was so strong. I wanted him to hurry and finish so I can just go to the altar. I love that kind of conviction. If I'm wrestling with the conviction and saying, eh, I don't know, you know, it's, you know, they're in the car, they're waiting, and uh, you should just go and get it. Growing of his spirit upon my life, lead me into the deep places of the Holy Ghost. Open my understanding in a great let me come to know you in a way that I have yet to know you. Come on, this avails to every one of us. Let me know you in a deeper way, Lord. If you are eternal, if you are from everlasting to everlasting, lead me to a place that is higher. Lead me to the deep places in you. Reveal yourself to me in places I've not known you yet. If, that are, if those are your thoughts, if those are your feelings, why don't you step out? We're in this together. Lord, I've heard a lot today, and I don't understand at all, but I want to understand more than I do. I understand it's by the quickening of your spirit. It's an act of your spirit. Opening my understanding in the name of Jesus. Yes. Yes. Come on, let the soul cry out to him. Let the souls of men cry out to him. Let the souls of men cry out to him. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, there's more room here. 